Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here with a special guest today. This has been a long time in the making. Uh, I, I actually had to move uh, countries to make this happen. He is the voice of the Bucks Radio Network. Everyone will recognize this voice, and even if you haven't listened to him on the radio, you hear his call of the Giannis Game winner before every single episode. Ted Davis, thanks for uh, taking the time to jump on. Well, Kane, uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, it is a grand time to be covering the Milwaukee Bucks or being a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks or having anything to do with this team right now because they've been pretty good over the last two years, if you've noticed. <laughs> yeah, I want to actually, that's a good point. I want to bring that up. So I first saw you again this season when I moved back in Chicago, and you came up to me in the media room and said, uh, if the Bucks start losing, then I'm going to have to move back home to Australia. And I, yeah. I just want to say that I'm very relieved that they've continued winning the last month. I thought you might break up the mojo. You know, you <laughs> might come in and sort of mess up the flow. And uh, you didn't do it. I think I also said that uh, uh, the Bucks were better off without you because uh, they were a 60-win team last year, and they're even better this year. <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds very harsh, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say <laughs> that's not true. Uh, but that's, hey, you you said about the Bucks being uh, obviously playing so well at the moment, but last night uh, this this game against Washington was uh, incredibly fun. Once the game got started, Chris Middleton. I spent half an hour on last night's episode talking about Chris, but 51 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Uh, I heard your call today of the of the dunk to bring up the 50, which maybe was the most unlikely way you thought Chris Middleton was going to bring it up. Uh, what what can you even say about that performance from Chris? Because it was it was truly incredible. You know, the play to get to 50 kind of surprised me because <laughs> uh, Chris is not that big of a leaper. I mean, he'll he'll dunk one on a on a breakaway every now and then, but you rarely see him you know dunk it off a drive like he did last night in the half court. And so it kind of caught me by surprise that he broke down and uh, slammed it to get to 51 points. But, you know, since he came back from the injury that caused him to miss seven games, he has been playing at an extraordinarily high level. And, and I don't think there's any doubt that he'll be on the all-star team again when they name the reserves uh, at, 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 whenever it is. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's been shooting uh, over 60% for about seven or eight games. Last night he started nine of ten and hit his first seven three-pointers. You cannot be more in the zone than he has been in in the last uh, six or seven games. And the Bucks have been riding that along with Giannis, and that's why they have one of the best offenses, actually the best offense in the NBA in terms of points scored. So, you know, I, Chris is a lightning rod with Bucks fans for some reason. Uh, people nitpick at his game, and is he a perfect player? No, but nobody is. Giannis has his flaws too, in fact, in, in his game. But Chris doesn't do anything poorly, and he does a lot of things well. He's got length. He's a really good defender. He's a, an above-average rebounder. He's a better rebounder than you think he is. His passing ability is very good, and he's shooting right now 
50% from the field, 43% on threes, 90% at the foul line. Right now, he is a 50-40-90 player. That's a heck of a year. So what are you saying from Chris? Because uh, you sort of touched on it there. He hasn't always been the most consistent player, and he's been a streaky shooter. We've seen him go through patches of seasons where he has a down month, uh, and he, his numbers always end up around that same spot. He's normally high 30s, around 40% from three. He'll get you 17, 18 points a, a, a night. He's done that for several seasons now. But this year, the consistency has been off the charts. He, every single night, he's knocking down those threes. He looks so comfortable what do, you, what do you think it is with him in this year uh, comes off signing that massive deal where sometimes you see the reverse with players and they go the other way. Uh, what do you think it is with him and what, why, in, in your opinion, has he been so consistent and, and just looks so so good out there? I mean, this guy, as you said, he's going to be a two-time All-Star tonight by the time they announce those. I think that he's more comfortable with Budenholzer's offense. Of all the guys who I thought had trouble adjusting, to what Budenholzer wanted to do last year, which was to spread the floor, take a lot of threes, stay away from the mid-range twos, and let Giannis do his thing in the lane, the, the guy that struggled the most to adjust to that was Chris Middleton, because part of Middleton's game is the mid-range game. He's one of the best in the league at going mid-range. And I think there was a little bit of butting of heads between Middleton and Bud early in the season, and it culminated with him getting benched for a game uh, late in New York when they lost to the Knicks, uh, a game they probably should have won at the Garden. But after that, Middleton and Budenholzer had a meeting, and I think Bud said, okay, you know what, you are comfortable there. Uh, go back and do what you do and still try to work within the system, but we're not eliminating what you do. And I think after that, Middleton started to get more comfortable with the offense, and then he rolls into this year where he knows what his role is. He knows where he's going to get his shots. He knows he's going to take the threes, but he also knows that Bud doesn't mind if he goes down there and picks his spot either on the baseline or in the lane between the dotted line and the restricted circle and takes a shot. He's very good at that. So I think his comfort level with the offense is higher this year than it was a year ago. Okay, so talking about all-star players, I know I was on your show the other day, which, by the way, you got a new time. That's 12 to 3. Is that, is that right on 97.3? Yeah. Yep, 12-3, to 97.3 the game with uh, me and Dan Needles. All right, so we were talking about uh, All-Stars and, and we were sort of speculating whether the Bucks would have two or three. And I think we both agreed that it's, it's a luck at this point that they're going to get two. But when they announce them tonight, what's the case that you can make for Eric Bledsoe? Because, uh, you know, sneakily, this guy is having another really, really good season. And the minutes are even down further from where they were last year. I think people overlook what, what he's done. And kind of unfortunately for him as, a, as an individual, last night he had a huge night. He had 34 points, 10 assists, uh, six boards himself. A, a monster line that got overshadowed by Chris's uh, 51 points. But per 36, this guy's averaging 21 points, uh, five rebounds, six assists. He's, he's shooting 35% from three. Uh, he's been really good. What, what's the case you can make for him to, to get that all-star spot? Uh, everything you said, he's had a really good year, uh, followed up uh, w last season with a, a very good regular season a year ago, and I think he's improved on what he did last year. Now, we'll judge Eric at playoff time because he's had some ups and downs in the playoffs, but he's having a heck of a regular season. He made first-team all-defense a year ago. He's still playing that kind of defense. When he needs to be, he can be as aggressive as anybody on the floor, and last night without Giannis, you could tell that early in the game, he said, okay, i got to look for my offense. There are nights when he uh, supplements his offense for the team. He gets Milton involved. 
he gets Giannis involved, and I think he understands when to pick and choose to look for his shot. That's a delicate balance for a point guard who's playing alongside two guys who need the ball and need to score. I think that when you've got a team like the Bucks that's on a pace to win 70 games right now, that they deserve more than two All-Stars. I mean, heck, Bud's team in Atlanta that won 60 and I don't think was as good as the Bucks are right now, got four All-Stars on a team. Corver made the All-Star team that year. Uh, but I don't think he's going to get on. I just think he's going to get caught in the numbers game in the Eastern Conference because uh, Kyle Lowry needs to make it. Bradley Beal is deserving. Ben Simmons will probably make it. And then Jimmy Butler is going to go on. I think Bam Adebayo might get a nod in Miami. And they can only take seven reserves. And Bledsoe might be the eighth guy uh, on the outside looking in. I think he deserves it. I think the Bucks deserve it as a team. But I'm not sure it's going to happen. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That's That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra 1000 bucks in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think that he will be the guy that gets squeezed out. And the interesting thing is that Chris was talking about this at, at shoot-around before uh, the game against Washington. He said that uh, he sort of wished or hoped that people would look at the team record more and reward the winning rather than the stats because uh, in a lot of ways these guys are being overlooked because of the dominance of the team and the fact that they aren't playing huge minutes and there's not a lot of comparisons for teams that uh, are on this winning pace obviously but this level of dominance I know again we spoke about the point differential you sat through and and announced a whole bunch of, of games against those Warriors teams do you get this the sense with this Bucks team that it's a it's a similar type scenario? Because I always compare the two in the way that opposition teams, uh, you know, if you don't play the full forty eight minutes, even if you play forty minutes of solid basketball, uh, you can lose the game by double digits. And the only time I can remember a team being like that uh, since I've been watching basketball is those Warriors teams. Yeah, the seventy three win team for the Warriors did that. The seventy two Bulls team did that. Uh, they were that good where you could give them your best shot and you could hang around for a while and you might be good for a half or even three quarters. The Charlotte game in Paris was an example to me where Charlotte was playing as well as they can play. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, Bucks have not had the lead for the entire game. And then all of a sudden the Bucks tie the game, they take the lead. Next thing you know, the Hornet players are looking up at the scoreboard. They're down 12, 14, 15 points. And you could just see the spirit sag out of the bodies of the Hornets, which they're saying, that's that's as good a shot as we can give them, (laughs) and now we're down 15 points. Uh, The Warriors did that, the Bulls did that, and the Bucks are doing that now. They're closing games extremely well. Heck, even last night against the Wizards, 
they were had that big lead, and the Wizards cut it to eight. At no time did I ever feel they were going to lose the game. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and they're up 20 late in the game, and they win another game rather easily. They do have that ability to swat away another team, and they've got another gear that they can put it into that will finish a game. And that is the making of a great, great team. And I think the Bucks are going to win in the mid-60s. I'm not sure they can get to 70, but the club record – for single-season wins is 66. That was the championship team in 1971. I think the Bucks have a really good chance to break that. They could get to 67 or 68 wins. So you, you sort of mentioned it there, and, and I know from, from being in the Bradley Center for a bunch of those games against the Warriors, the Bucks always seemed to play the Warriors pretty well. And obviously they had that game where they, they broke the streak, but there was a number of other games where they did play a really solid uh, three quarters of basketball, three and a half quarters, and just fell short at the end and as, as the great team got over the top. But uh, we know that it hasn't always been this fun watching the Bucks. And I don't know whether you remember this game, but I remember... Uh, and I, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but I was driving uh, somewhere in Australia. I was going out somewhere on, on a road trip and I was listening to your call and it was uh, the Bucks played the Bulls twice uh, around Christmas time in the, in the final Jason Kidd year. And I listened to you a lot. And I know you know that I've told you that, but I remember listening to you during the second loss in two weeks to that Bulls team. And I don't think that I've heard your voice that, uh, I don't know if frustrated, disappointed is the right word, but it was. It felt like this Bucks team was stuck in mud, even though they had, uh, obviously, Giannis, who was on the rise, and Chris Middleton. Uh, at that point, did you ever envisage that they were going to be able to uh, maybe not be this good, but get to a point where you would even consider them the best in the East to be able to contend? Because uh, you, as much as anyone, have seen a, a hell of a lot of bad basketball from this Bucks franchise. Yeah, I thought at, at the time that, and, and I'm not knocking Jason Kidd. I think he did a good job when he came here. Uh, he took a 15-win team and got him to 41 and made the playoffs in that first year. And I think he had a hand in Giannis's development, uh, taught him how to be a pro, sat him down with Kobe Bryant and had that conversation that I think uh, affirmed to Giannis that I can be like Kobe. When Kobe says to Giannis, I can be, like Kobe, then that means something to me. And Jason Kidd arranged that meeting, and I think that lifted Giannis's game and, and brought it to where it is now. But I think Kidd had taken the team as far as they could go, and that's what management realized, that they were stuck at that point. And then they, they hired Budenholzer, and I've called Budenholzer the locksmith. He seemed to have the lock <laughs> that unlocked the potential that this Bucks team had, and it kicked in really quickly last year. I mean, you saw it almost immediately. I mean, they won their first seven games and never slowed down, only lost two in a row one time. And I know in the offseason there was a lot of angst, a lot of concern about, okay, they lose Brogdon. Are they going to be as good as they were a year ago? Well, I'm watching the team in, in preseason, and I'm watching them play. And I said at the time, I said, I'm not knocking what Malcolm Brogdon did here because he's a good player, but I think this year's Bucks team can be better, can be deeper, can be a better defensive team than they were a year ago. And so far, I've been proven to be right. I could just see it in my – the eyeball test told me that this team was deeper and potentially better. And I do think that that loss in the Eastern Conference Finals to Toronto has been seared in the memory of this team. And I think that's been a motivating factor for everybody who was here a year ago. And they've just continued on from where they were a year ago and improved on virtually everything they're doing now. 
and and certainly Giannis, it's interesting. I mean, because we say this every year with him, you think, well, okay, well, I mean, where where is the ceiling for him? How can he get better? Uh, you said earlier in the podcast, there's still some flaws in his game. Clearly, the free throw line is still a problem for him through this season. But he stepped out. He's shooting the threes. We've spoke a little bit in the last two weeks about the way that now he's going to the post and really looking very comfortable with that turnaround uh, shot in the post there, the little mid-range fadeaway. Uh, I mean, is, where, is the, where is the ceiling for him? I mean, you've seen him right from the start. You saw him as a rookie. You sat through that 15-win uh, uh, season that, that you already touched on. I mean, how has this experience been for you, I guess, seeing him grow like that and get to the level he is now? And honestly, you can't put a cap on where he's going to finish because he keeps proving everyone wrong and just getting better and better. Yeah, I look back to that rookie season when he was, um, <clears throat> you know, he was very skinny. He was 18. He was just, a, he was rail thin. He was like a, a newborn colt, <laughs> uh, all legs and arms and didn't really know how to play. But you could see glimpses of the athletic ability what you didn't know is whether he could harness that and become the player that he's become. And yet, I think by the third year, when Jason Kidd finally said to him, here are the keys, you go run the team, you run the offense. I think at that point, that was when the ascension to what he is now began. I mentioned the meeting with Kobe where Kobe Bryant said, you have all the skills you need to be an MVP. It's a matter of how hard you want to work for it. And I think that motivated Giannis. Uh, he did work for it. He developed his body. He is now this full-grown man that has turned into a battering ram that's impossible to slow down when he's got a full head of steam and he's going toward the basket with those big steps. And you look at the efficiency that he's had this year. He's putting up 30 points per game, and uh, it may have changed in the last couple of games, but before the Washington game, he was 78th in the league in minutes played. <laughs> 77 players are playing more minutes than Giannis, including James Harden, who's up there about 35, 37. But Giannis is playing right at 30 minutes a game or under and doing what he's doing. It's remarkable. So what do you think? So that's interesting. You talk about the minutes, and this is something that I've floated uh, a little bit. And even in last night's game against the Wizards, seeing Chris Middleton play 35 minutes is is very unusual. We haven't seen that a lot from the starters. So uh, I think that they've been able to uh, load manage, which obviously is, is, is the buzzword, I guess, around the league. But do you think that there's any concern at all that these guys now are eventually going to get to the playoffs because you assume that the, the regular season dominance is going to continue? and that you get to the playoffs, and maybe not the first round, potentially the second round, certainly the conference finals, and all of a sudden you have to go from playing 30 minutes to 38 uh, a night. Is that anything that they should be taking note of? Because that's one thing that I have got in the back of my mind. I don't think so, because these guys are in shape, you know, right. by this point. And, and the way Bud does the minutes with Giannis, he gives him six minutes uh, on the floor and then takes him out for a little bit and then puts him back uh, for another six minutes or so. If you're in shape. If you get a little bit of a blow, in other words, you come out for a couple of minutes, maybe three minutes, you'll catch your breath and you'll be fine. Um, I, I think when they get to the playoffs and he does have to play the 35 minutes a game, he'll be ready because he hasn't worn his body out yeah. in the regular season. Heck, they're load managing Giannis by blowing out <laughs> opponents. Uh, they, their point differential is right now on a historic pace. It's a ridiculous almost 13 points per game. Right now it's 12.8. That's unheard of. So he hasn't had to extend himself in many games 
where he's had to play 35, 38, 39 minutes. So I don't think that's a concern. I think he'll be fresh at playoff time. Yeah, I mean, Bud says it all the time. Uh, that if it was up to Giannis, he would be playing 40 minutes a night, 40 minutes plus a night right now anyway. He's, they really have to uh, pull him back at, at times to, to keep him to, to that uh, minute load that he's on at the moment anyway. But you mentioned Kobe a couple of times here in relation to Giannis and the connection they have. But I'm wondering for you, as, as, as a caller, you obviously saw him live a, a bunch of times. And, and there was certainly one game in particular, one memory that I think most Bucks fans talk about. I spoke about it with, with Frank on an episode of the podcast a couple of days ago. But is there one game, one moment, one situation in particular that you remember uh, with Kobe that, that you called and, and, uh, and what you saw from him in, in that time? Yeah, he hit a game winner at uh, the Bradley Center in the early 2000s. I don't necessarily recall it, but someone brought it up to me. Uh, and it was uh, just one of those classic Kobe shots where, you know, they're defending him as best as they can. He gets down on the low post. He does that great footwork, and he does the fall away and just drills it uh, at the buzzer to win the game. I don't necessarily recall that one, but someone brought that one up to me. Kobe never had a huge game against uh, any of the teams that I broadcast. I, I was talking today on the radio show about the fact that uh, in my 32 years in the league, I've seen 14 50-point games. Last night was the 14th 50-point uh, game that I have called when Middleton got to 51. Kobe Bryant never had a 50-point game hmm. against any of the teams that I did. He probably got in the low 40s, but never had one that you know really stood out to me. The thing you knew about Kobe Bryant is that he had that, that Michael Jordan uh, will to compete and the drive to be great, not just good. And I've seen players that have the talent to be great, but they don't have the drive. I've seen players that have the drive, but they don't have the talent. Now, if you've got both, like Jordan had, Kobe Bryant had, and fortunately for Milwaukee, the same kind of drive and talent that Giannis has, then you can be a special player. The other thing that impressed me about Kobe Bryant is he played as hard defensively as he did offensively, and Jordan did the same thing. He took pride, both of them took pride, in shutting you down and uh, taking your offense away. I think Kobe Bryant ended up being first-team all-defense seven or eight times in his career. So as good as he was, scoring over 30,000 points, he was that good on the other side of the floor too. Yeah, it's a good point you make. I, I was thinking about that today as well as, as one of the things that made him so great was that he did uh, play with that same competitive, competitiveness on both sides. And that's what you see from Giannis. That's what we love about him, how hard he plays defensively, potentially uh, defensive player of the year this season in the league. But before we do look to wrap up this chat, Ted, I, I sort of touched on it there with the Lakers one. And by the way, a name from the past, he shot that uh, game winner over Charlie Bell. Uh, a long time uh, buck from those those mid 2000s uh, there but for yourself do you have a favorite call the the Giannis game winner at Madison Square Garden we've got on the intro to the pod do you have a favorite call is, is that even something that you remember specifically certain moments certain uh, game winners whatever it is that that you've seen over the years yeah that was a good one when he hit the shot at the garden over uh, Lance Thomas uh, Middleton had a game winner in Phoenix. It was the it was actually the game where Jabari Parker got hurt, and <clears throat> the Bucks are right there at the end of the game. He takes the shot, and I remember it went in and out, up on the glass, and then back in to to win the game. Uh, he had another Middleton had another game winner one night against Miami when uh, they missed a shot and Zaza Pachulia grabbed the rebound, falling out of bounds. 
somehow found Middleton at the top of the key. He had a three uh, to win the game. Uh, there have been several plays by Giannis that were not game winners that I, I really enjoyed. It was, um, remember a game against Portland where he knocked the ball away from C.J. McCollum. He got the pass back at midcourt. I think took one dribble and two steps to get from midcourt to the rim to dunk it, which seems physically impossible, but he did it. That gave the Bucks the lead, and then Portland had a chance to win, and it looked like Nurkic was breaking free for a layup, and here came Giannis to block the shot to save the game, and the Bucks won. Uh, those are a few plays that stand out, but the, the thing I tell other broadcasters, and we talk before every game, I, I say it's just a, such – I hope I don't take for granted what I'm seeing from Giannis because in my 32 years in the league, he is the most unique athlete that I've seen – in the game. I don't think he's the best overall player now. You know, probably LeBron's a better player, and maybe Kawhi Leonard's a better overall player at this point, but nobody has the unique skill of size, speed, handle, big steps, the ability to get to the basket and finish at a rate that we haven't seen since Shaq, but Giannis can play like a guard, too. I mean, he can handle a ball like a guy six seven. I, I tell them, I hope I don't take for granted what I'm seeing, because one or two times a game, sometimes more, he does something that just makes you go, wow. And I'm, I'm privileged to sit there every night and watch it. And Bucks fans, just enjoy this right now, because this is a good time uh, to be rooting for this team. No, it, absolutely. And we, we talk about it on this podcast. And even when I'm talking with you and I'm on your show or at the before games at the arena, it's, sometimes it's hard to, to put into words how to describe how special this is or how dominant this team is and there's so much I guess paranoia from fans about what's going to happen in the playoffs and are they going to win a championship that you really have to try not to uh, overlook what we are seeing on a nightly basis uh, from Giannis but also from the whole team but uh, no look uh, like I said at the start this has been uh, several months in the making and I think I've, I think I've told you this before Ted but I, I don't know whether anyone else knows this I listened to you when I was very very young, like 12, 13 years old over in Australia. And I remember one game, uh, I think it was Bogut's rookie year. I sent an email to you and you read out my email at halftime of a game. And uh, oh. I, I remember being like, really, uh, you know, I was obviously, not that I wouldn't be excited now, Ted, but just to clear that up. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, I was very excited about that. And now, uh, obviously, you're a friend of mine and then you're on the podcast. So I really appreciate yeah. it. Well, I'm, I'm glad I did that. You know, the, you, you talked about the playoffs and look, there's no question that the, the Bucks will be judged at playoff time as every team is. Heck, that 73-win Warrior team did not win the championship, right, okay? Right. So things can, can go wrong. Uh, the bar has been set pretty high for the Bucks this year. I, I think anything less than the NBA Finals will be a disappointment. And if, if you get to the Finals and don't win it, That'll be disappointing too, but at least you get the shot at the championship, and I think they've got a really good chance to do that. There are going to be some people in the East that are going to be a tough out, but if the Bucks are healthy and if, if they play the way they're playing now in the playoffs, I don't think there's any team in the East that can beat them four times in seven games. I know I said that a year ago, but I think they're better this year, and I think right now there's no team in the East that can beat them four times in seven games. Yeah, huge lead at the top of the East. It's out to eight and a half games last time I looked. So they are just really putting a gap between the two. But uh, still another day off before they play again. Denver on Friday night. Ted, 
thanks again for jumping on. I'm definitely not going to rule out uh, trying to hassle you to get you back on again uh, some other time. But uh, we will leave it there for now. Remember, Thursday night, so this is probably going to be Thursday when most people are listening to this. The All-Star Reserves will be announced tonight. So I'll be talking about that tomorrow night with whatever happens in relation to the Bucks. But uh, for Ted Davis and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.